The views and opinions shared by They Might Be Toxic hosts, guests, or sponsors are those of each contributor and do not necessarily express the official view of the brand. We are not doctors, and this podcast should not be mistaken for therapy. Nothing expressed in this content is intended to malign or harm any party or person. We are simply here to discuss and dissect our toxic relationships and to learn about yours. Welcome to episode one of They Might Be Toxic, a podcast about toxic relationships. In this episode, Pilar and I will discuss how we discovered narcissism in our own lives and relationships and share a few personal stories about why we started this project. Welcome to the podcast. The first relationship where I actually learned any of this crazy language of narcissism and talk, you know, the, the toxic abuse relationship, I was uh, on and off and mostly happens during the discard, right? <laughs> like, you know, when you're going through that, there's like this hot, like amazing relationship. You're like, oh yeah, that's the one. And then, you know, four months in and you're like, you know, out of the blue, they disappear and they're dating some new girl that, you know, next week it was during the discard that I discovered the narcissism. And I think I must have gotten on YouTube and watched a video. You know how it is? You put some kind of relationship question into YouTube, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, why does this sound so familiar? Like she's like talking about a script that just happened like in succession. And you realize that it, it almost is a scripted set of behaviors. And then you slowly start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Like you're seeing ghosts, but in your case, like, did you know that you were being abused? Like at least in my case, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't have a name for it. He was, we not, we never got close enough for him to be abusive. Um, it was more the behavior he was controlling with our time of you know he lived out of town so he could control how much time we had together and it was great when we were around each other and then it was the everyday good morning and that you know all day texting and all the time you know wanting each other so it was that like really hot intensity and then he would disappear for a you know day a couple days at a time and then a week you know and then it just started getting longer And it was crazy because literally the discard happened after we had like a four day weekend together, like in person, like his sister was out of town. We stayed at her place. And then right when he got home, like he started dating someone else. And did he tell you about it or he just, no, Mm -mm. just go sit you. I'm not ready for a relationship right now. Oh, after spending three days with you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, several months. So, yeah, it was just like, and it happened so fast. I was just like, I didn't really understand what happened. And, you know, because he was a a recovered addict when I was seeing him, he hadn't started using at that time. He used all of the AA narcissism playbook, right? Not supposed to be in a relationship and to blah, blah, blah. You know, but no problem if I go get in this new relationship, but just, you know, not you. Not you. So intense. (laughs) And I have feelings for you, but I'm going to go fuck someone else. That's perfectly fine. Uh, I think they're addicted to that first stage. You know, I'm addicted to it. I am, Pilar. That's what sucks is like, I have had to discover that like, if someone comes along and they are like mentally healthy and it's like a slow burn, I'm so bored. 
I crave Ooh. that stupid, crazy intensity like drugs. And the thing that you learn is that your brain gets addicted to the chemistry of the roller coaster and you do love it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not normal for two people to, to have that ignition and, and just explode that fast. But I, I think a lot it has to do with what we watch on TV oh, and we watch the movies that we go, oh my gosh, this is it. You know, we feel this intensity and the butterflies and, and the hot and heaviness of it. And we're like, yes, this is it. This is it. You know, totally. this is real. But it's not. Have you, you know? seen the film on Netflix called uh, This Changes Everything? No. Okay, no. so it explains to you that like 95% of what comes out of Hollywood and 95% of what we've con consumed for 95% of our lives is written God. by men and how men want to be seen and how men want the world to be seen. And when you put it in that context of like, oh, you know, night, you know, night is shining armor on a big white horse. I mean, it's, we've literally been trained from birth. You know, mm -hmm. what's that stupid shit that we get told in second grade? If he yanks your hair, he likes you. Oh, he so if he's, if, he ab if he's abusive, that's flirty. Okay, so I if he kicks so. you on the playground, he must be interested. That's just boys. Boys will be boys. Boys being oh, boys. Oh, it's always oh, boys being boys. That's what, I hate that. that's what every kind of abuse is. It's boys being boys and then men being men. Mm. Well, in my case, the first time I heard the word narcissist and it actually made sense to me because, I mean, I, I'd heard the word before because I remember growing up and hearing my mom call my dad a narcissist a lot. But, you know, when you're a child, those concepts just don't land the same way because sure. you don't have the experience behind it. So the first time I actually Googled it and I was blown away by the similarities was about four years ago. Uh, when I was in, in this relationship and I knew in my heart something was not right. And looking back now, I feel that I had the same feeling growing up when I experienced abuse from my mom. Yeah. I knew something was not right. But as a kid, you, you don't have any other points of reference to see, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm being abused, you know, because I felt like, well, I guess this is life and every, every single kid is being beat to a pulp whenever things and are it's so you know, normalized wrong. I remember yes. getting spankings and my sister and I would like be comparing our asses in the mirror to see who had right. more bruises like that's just normal to be black and blue like no big deal I remember hearing my mom's steps through the house and knowing when I was getting a beat by the pace of the steps by the pace by how the doors were slammed yep. And I, I mean, it took me forever to even identify this uh, patterns because as a kid, you're just in this, like, when you're abused, you're in this, like, alert mode, survival mode that you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I need to avoid this at all costs. So I'm going to make myself invisible. I'm going to make sure that my mom doesn't have any reason to beat me. So I'm going to make sure everything is clean and all this is fine. But I knew in certain occasions, let's say, my mom will have an issue with my dad and they'll have an argument. Then she was in a mood. Anything would just set her off and we would get a beating. 
right? right? So I look back at that feeling of like something is wrong, but I don't know what it is. And as a kid, you know, you internalize all of this and you're like, my parents are perfect. So if I'm getting a beaten, it's because something is wrong with me. Right. Right. So when I was in this relationship with this person that I've been a, for a long, long time, I knew that his behavior towards me was not right. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with me. I'm going to make myself better. So I will be deserving of this person's love and appreciation. So every single move in my life during that time with that person was me trying to better myself and making myself deserving of his love or his attention or his time or whatever. Because all I was getting from this person was bare minimum, it, even right. if that, right. you know? So when I finally Google the word narcissist and I started watching videos and I came across this podcast um, by this uh, lady from, uh, from uh, England, her name is uh, Carolyn Strawson. And it blew my mind. I started watching, like I started listening to from the right. beginning <laughs> And I could not have enough. I could yeah. not get enough. Every 15 you minutes. You feel like it's it was, your life story. You're like, holy shit, they know me. How does this person know everything about my life and all of my what? relationships? Yeah. I could not understand how this is not more read, readily available for people to know that this, this could happen to you. And this will change your life. You know what really sucks is when I left my husband, I got into a really healthy relationship. And... I was the toxic person. I was the one slamming doors, starting shit. And it's really funny because he was a few years younger than me. And I remember this one day I came home and I, you know, storming about something, you know, who knows what dinner, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, right? Just like my dad, it would, you know, things that my dad would be angry about, right? And he literally called me out. It was the most mature thing I've ever witnessed. He was like, look, until you can act like an adult, I will be at my friend's house. Um, I'm not dealing with you right now. And I was just like, thankfully, I was mature enough to not be like, screw you. It's your, you know, I actually, I have goosebumps right now, but like, I actually did have to like dial it back and be like, you know, shit. it's so funny because my, my best friend and I were on the phone last night and we were having a conversation about all this stuff. And, and she made the comment, you know, like, well, aren't most of us narcissists? And I was like, no, I was like, do you remember a time when we first became friends as we were like three years into the friendship and I was just livid and angry over something. And I'm an angry person, right? Like I have lots of PTSD and one of the, you know, sometimes the mild depression that you have is anger and bitchiness and not you know, moping around and crying. It's just being irritated all the time. Right. And she, in this one day, she was like, you are so angry. And I was like, do you remember that? I was like, if I would have been a narcissist, our friendship would have been over, right? Like you would have yeah. been wrong and I would have screamed at you and we, and there would have been no recovery. I literally paused and I was like, shit, you're so fucking right. Like I really am angry. Like how do I work on this? And I started working on it. That's the difference between someone who is narcissistic and someone who's not it's like when you point out a mistake who someone to a narcissist there's no way that they can be wrong you're a mm -hmm. fucking idiot you must have there's no accountability whatsoever no. no no because so the more i read about it you know that the more i understand how narcissists function 
they're self-loathing. They hate themselves. They are very insecure people. Right. And if you bring up uh, an imperfection, they just cannot cope because they think they're perfect. They think they need to put out this front of like perfection. And if you call me out, then you're wrong. Somehow you're wrong. Yeah. You know, I can, it blows my mind how in the past I would catch my narcissist in the middle of a very, very bad position for him. And he will turn it on me in such a way that I will be the one apologizing. Always. Cause we're, it's always our fault. And now I'm like, how, how did they do that? How are they still skillful and making you feel guilty for calling them out? But it's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm the one yeah. apologizing now. I had a, my, my vehicle had died in the interstate. So I call my narcissist and this was the time where he would take a break in between shifts. And he wouldn't answer. And I knew for a fact that he was supposed to be available, right? So I GPS this person and he, his location showed up at a, uh, at a hotel. Oh shit. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of my, of the interstate. Cars are just, you know, flying by. I'm freaking out. And I'm like so triggered because this person is in a hotel where he shouldn't be, right? So I finally prayed and I'm like, God, please help me. My car starts back up and he comes home and I confronted him. He got mad at me and started cussing me out because I GPSed him. Of course. He did not give me ever. And oh no, he did say, oh, I was taking a break. Uh, I was having my lunch at park at the hotel parking lot. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's never, it's never. I'm sorry that I lied. They're, they're only ever sorry never. that they got caught. Yes. No, he didn't even say I'm sorry. That's the thing. He turned it on me and it's like you're insecure. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you GPS me? And and I apologize for it. I could like I could, now trying to look back and make sense. I cannot understand how he did that but I was in such a like fight or fly situation with him that oh my gosh you know this is going to create more problems than it's worth it I'm just going to apologize and like keep of course we would always like oh shit maybe I really shouldn't have done that I should have been more trusting that's the thing is you know you realize after you get out of these situations even you know 20 years later you still speak the language of the narcissist in your own head. Everything's your fault. I'm always such an idiot. I mean, it's so funny because when I published the book, you know, there were a few typos and some of the, you know, chapter headings Mm -hmm. were wrong. And in the past, I would have been like, oh my God, you're such an idiot. You know, and you know what? I didn't this time. I just took a breath, made the updates, re-uploaded the file. Didn't even care that my first copy is screwy, right? Like I was just proud that I had the balls to get out of my own way and put something out into the world without somebody's nagging little voice telling me that I don't deserve this, that I shouldn't be doing this. How dare you talk about filling all the blanks? And I, you know, at a point I had to remind myself, I'm allowed to write about my life. Yeah. I'm allowed yeah. to talk about my life. Yeah. You know, to me, that voice is always present. 
But now I have the balls to kind of like say something back and be like, no, you know, I'm enough. I'm enough. And I am worthy of love. I'm worthy of somebody's attention. I'm worthy just because I'm a human being, not because I'm doing something right or doing something that deserves praise. No, it's because I'm a person, you know? And I feel like in our relationships with our narcs, whether it's our spouses, our boyfriends, our parents, our siblings, we're always in this like constant, like, what can I do to be worthy of your love? Yes. And like, we literally live for this. And you know, that's why we're such a good match with narcissists. Because narcissists are takers and we are givers. It's a dance. Yeah, because we were raised, at least I was raised in a way that I had to do all these check marks in order to get some sort of positive feedback from my parents. Right. You know, make good grades. You know, don't talk Room back. Room is clean. Yeah. Room is clean. No elbows on the I, table. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because if I, I knew that if all the check marks weren't there, then there was hell to pay somehow, some way, you know. I wouldn't be able to go out or I'll, there was always something coming in a very negative way. If all this check marks weren't there and it was the same thing with my narcissist. It was like, okay, house needs to be clean. Food needs to be, you know, made on time and his clothes needs to be done and needs to be ironed. And it would like give me so much anxiety if I didn't get to all those things on time, because I knew that I would get some sort of comment. Some sort of like, you know. It's so funny, the comments, especially about the, you know, the typical uh, male-female gender roles that we're supposed to play. You know, like one of the biggest narcissists in my life is my sister. Um, And honestly, it's funny because part of the way that the relationship came to an end was she made this, my my parents went to see her in Germany and she made this little comment. She said, is her house clean? And I said, are you seriously still talking shit about me? Like 3,000 miles away? Like that's the update that you want of how, where the dust is in my house? I said, Creepy. my house seems to be clean enough for literally everybody else in my life. And the really funny thing about the way that that relationship crumbled, you know, in the, in the previous years leading up to this behavior who's literally my best friend, you know, she, my best friend's always very observant and she can usually see what I can't. I had, you know, my sister was always worrying about me and she loved rescuing me. Even if I didn't need a rescue, she would, you know, slip me a hundred bucks and, you know, and I mean, it was really sweet and I'm, and I appreciated it at the time, but it wasn't necessary. Right. And as soon as I, you know, like doubled and tripled my income and got on my feet and, you know, started feeling my worth, I shared with my sister about, you know, like some great things that were happening for me because I thought that it would relieve this, you know, constant worry that she had. Right. But instead it basically just turned into like her, you know, going for a different position and you kind of competing with me on, you know, just life stuff. And my best friend pointed out like, you know, your sister doesn't know how to relate to you now that she can't rescue you. And it really did turn into that. It's like, you know, we couldn't even spend time on the phone anymore. Like she didn't have anything to say to me. You know, she's sitting there swiping her iPad, you know, when I'm, you know, drive an hour and a half to see her. Like it got to the point where I didn't really understand the point of the relationship. Like, and, and as it uncovered itself, you know, it's crazy because you, 
a lot of times your, you know, your best friend or someone that you see as your best friend, it's the trauma bonding that you don't realize is a trauma bonding. And then you're like, oh, wow. The only reason this relationship ever thrived is because I was willing to let, you know, to sit with her abusive comments and not say anything. Yeah. And she probably just wanted to feel better than you. It gave her peace to feel like, oh, I'm helping Maria. You know, I'm giving her money. I'm better than her. You know, but now that you, you know, leveled up and you found your worth and you started healing, she just didn't know what to do with it. And this, you know, back then when I met you, she would have been living with my parents at the time with, you know, she lived with them with her first husband and then her second husband. Right. So it was always, you know, and I'm, and I've been divorced for 22 years. I've lived on my own. I paid my own rent. I do everything myself. And it was literally like, you know, her looking down her nose from mom and dad's basement. Like it was just really (laughs) ironic. I'm like, like, I understand that you have a bigger savings account than me. That's cool. You also have a husband and mom and dad paying your mortgage slash rent. Like I do all that on my own and put myself through college and I'm willing to work two and three jobs and I'm not bitching about it. Like cool. If you want to, you know, judge and look down, but all of those things contributed to the, you know, to my own life. And it's like when someone sees you investing in yourself and your own creativity, that's immediately a threat. Oh gosh. I remember my relationship with my narcissist. I I, I wanted it to be like a partnership. Like right. we both had the same goal. Let's go for it. Let's work as hard. If you do good, I do good. If you, if I do yes. good, you do good. And th- that is impossible with a narcissist. Like, yes, it is. I remember, so I, like, you know, I was in the, the walking dead for a couple episodes, two or three episodes. And so I would have to drive to Georgia to film. And sometimes it would be three days at a time. Sometimes it would be, you know, a couple days or a week. And, uh, you know, when you have somebody, a spouse, a boyfriend or something, and, and you have something like this happening to you, you know, it, it kind of uh, puts a little bit of a strain when it comes to like, oh, I can't do what I usually do. So hang to the, you know, hang on the fort while I'm gone. Because you have to is- make your own lunch today. Yes. Like, <laughs> I never had any like hobbies. I didn't spend any right. time on myself, but this was so much fun for me. And like, I remember one time I made sure that I had all the dinners and I was this kind of person. I will make sure I had all the dinners set up and I had all everything taken care of. And I left and, and he was already angry at me, but you know, when you know that the other person is angry, but they can't say anything because they don't want to seem Right. They don't want to come across like they're assholes about it. So, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, have fun. Have fun. That, that was his thing. It's like, yeah, have fun. So I would leave. 30 minutes into my drive to, to Atlanta, I get a phone call. And it's him going, I can't believe you did not buy bread. <laughs> you were supposed to buy bread. And you just leave like that and not buy bread? What kind of person... And I literally sit there just crying, not even taking into account the fact that we live like 1.2 miles from Kroger and that his big ass could just get in the car 
and go, no, I, I felt like the worst person ever. And it was always like the, the show would air and everybody would be tagging me on Facebook saying, oh my gosh, this is awesome. He wouldn't say one word about it. Oh God. No you know, one it's word. funny. I, with the book, there've been two or three people who I thought were my closest friends. Radio silence, not a peep. Isn't that awful? You know, when my friends do good, like I get this joy. I, yeah. Like I'm like, hell, like, hell yes. yes. I know you want to cheer them on. Absolutely. How can I help you, you know? Totally. Yes. And when, when I wouldn't get that from him, it would break my heart, you know? Cause you think that your partner like You're is sitting there, there scrolling through a hundred likes and yeah. looking for the one that you want. Thank you for listening to They Might Be Toxic podcast. We truly appreciate your likes, subscribes, shares, and especially your time. We wish you safety, insight, and empowerment as you navigate your own healing path. They Might Be Toxic podcast airs every Sunday at 8 a.m. Central. If you've enjoyed our content, please subscribe and look for our books on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold.